think we often end up in our video production filmmaking bubble and yep. we, it becomes an echo chamber of like we're all learning from each other but oftentimes stepping outside of that absolutely and pulling from maybe other forms of media and letting that be an inspiration and drive can then make your project so much richer because it has more depth because yeah. it's incorporating more pieces and just learning from what else is being done this is the Golden Hour Podcast, and we're here in the Polar Pro Studio. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and normally on this podcast, we have an influencer, filmmaker, YouTuber, Instagrammer that we're interviewing in the guest chair, but today we have a very special guest. Her name is Jenna Huben, and she actually works here in the Polar Pro office. She's the lead video director here at Polar Pro, but she does have a history with animation, and today we're gonna be actually talking about that topic. Due to scheduling conflicts, we can't have a new guest every single week, but we want to put podcasts out every single Tuesday. So this might be a reoccurring format of the Golden Hour Show with Jenna Huben being on the podcast to teach us something new every single time she's on. Today, we're going to be learning about animation and how to implement that in your video, in your footage, in your Instagram posts, and how to heighten the creativity of your projects. Because of the first episode with Jenna Huben, I wanted to do a brief interview just to get to know her a little bit better so that you guys can learn about her history in animation and video production. And then we move on to our main topic today, which is animation. So without any further ado, let's listen in. So I'm sitting here with Jenna Huben today who works here at Polar Pro. She's on the video team. This is going to be a little different than the other podcasts we've done. Not that it's any different having an amazing guest here at the table, but we're going to be talking about some different topics and diving into learning about animation and how to implement it in your videos if you're a video creator, uh, if you want to branch out. There's a lot of people like Sam Colder and other people that we're going to talk about who are implementing animation and motion graphics in their work on YouTube, on Instagram. And I think there's a place for it. And I think it's really creative and really fun to think about adding animation to your work. And so we're going to be talking about that, but we're here to actually get to know Jenna, who is an animation expert in her own right. But to get things started, let's just learn about Jenna. Okay. What do you want to know? <laughs> so where are you from originally? Originally, Minnesota, mainly. I went to school uh -huh. in Minnesota, um, graduated with a degree in animation. That was kind of the plan and the yeah. goal is, okay, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to study this and then I'm going to go to Disney or Pixar and make films because that's the Olympics of the animation world. And most people in the West who are studying animation often have that as a goal or at least an inspiration. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm graduating senior year. I'm applying. I'm interviewing places in Minneapolis thinking I'm going to stay local for the meantime while I continue to build up a portfolio. Um, but I had family out in Northeast Ohio and reached out to me and said, hey, we, there's this internship that you should keep in mind. Could be a fit. I'm like, sure, you know, threw it on the pile. You're yeah. throwing out applications everywhere, which is common as you wrap up school. Mm -hmm. um, but they were interested and asked me to interview and offered me a year-long internship. And nice. I'm like, okay, I have family out there. That's at least a year. It's a little more experience. Yeah. It gets me out somewhere fresh after school. Mm -hmm. And it was um, video related. You were able to apply your skills. Yeah, it that. was. So I was working at a church doing video production. They mm -hmm. had a big media team, but they wanted someone who could bring in a little bit of an animation, motion graphics, yeah. art skill set to their video team mm -hmm. and kind of promise that, hey, you'll learn the more technical stuff, the actual camera production work while you're here. Yeah. And then can kind of bolster up this side of mm -hmm. our team, which... 
at the time felt like a step away from what I wanted to be doing. I'm like, yeah. I don't really want to be in live production. I'm still wanting to stay more on this art track. But again, it's a year. Yeah. It's experience. It's something new. Yeah. Um, and I'm open to that. So I was like, sure, for a year, I'll uh-huh. try it out. And a year became three years. And oh, wow. I ended up staying for a while. What was that like working at the church and doing the video production? Did you end up liking doing video as well as the animation and it was kind of a newfound love for you in that way yeah more than i expected um and as you know in animation you have to build everything yes that you're creating in a live production you set up a camera and it captures what you see and then mm-hmm. it's there and in my head i'm like oh this seems easier it's not it's different <laughs> um yeah, you have to draw every frame uh, for animation or creative. Sure, or render or build yeah. in whatever format you're but doing. I had the same thought process to myself because I started in animation as well. We can talk about that later. But uh, when I started doing video too, it's like, wait, I just push a button and it records 24 frames a second. That's amazing. That's 24 drawings I yeah. don't have to make or 12 or whatever your frame rate is. Uh, so let's bounce back to college. You made this amazing senior film called Rainbringer. And I would encourage anybody to go check it out on your Vimeo page. You can see it at Jenna Huben's uh, account. And uh, go check it out as I'm talking about this. But tell me about the process of making this film. It looks completely hand-drawn and it looks so good. Mm, I love thanks. this film. And obviously it shows a lot of the character animation things that you learned in school, I, I would assume, or maybe on your own. but you learned it in the process of making this. How long did it take you to make this? Tell me about the process of making it. Yeah, so a senior capstone film was my project senior year, so Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time in pre-production, probably more than I should have, um, versus the actual execution of the film. The let's sit down, let's draw, let's put it together um, was more in the second half of the year in the second semester. But I took a lot of inspiration from a Irish animation studio called Cartoon Saloon. Mm -hmm. They put out two feature-length films at the time that had both been nominated for Academy Awards, Mm. which was crazy, not only in animation, but just in general for a tiny studio. Mm -hmm. What they're called? Yeah, so there's two films. Their first was Secret of Kells. The second Mm -hmm. was Song of the Sea, both inspired by Irish mythology. It was very much like true to their roots. But what was interesting about the films is that they were done in digital 2D hand-drawn animation. Mm. So in a time where animation is increasingly 3D, we're moving into how realistic can we make this look? How detailed can this be rendered? They were taking opposite approach of, we're going to create a feature film that looks like it's coming out of the pages of The Secret of Kells. We're gonna pull from Mm -hmm. our artistic roots to create watercolor paintings that come to life and kind of really bring this style that not only complemented, but elevated the story that they were telling. Yeah. And that's something that I was really found valuable and I spent some time in Ireland myself, so I had a lot of connection to what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And so while my film is set in kind of this mytho- mythological version of Mongolia, mm-hmm. I still pulled from some of their art style and yeah. movement. Um, I'm looking at it as you're talking about it right now on my computer and I can see some of the inspirations that you're talking about, the backgrounds and the the kind of like it looks like watercolor behind um everybody how did you do the background painting and stuff like that yeah so all the backgrounds are rendered in photoshop digital paintings very cool and then the animation was composited on top um from a program called tv paint which is Mm -hmm. a french animation program which is exactly what cartoon saloon used to make their feature films so it was cool to kind of realize i could get that close but then acknowledging that it is. It's skill and effort and time it's that amazing. comes after that. So what one person can do in a couple months yeah. um, can then scale from there. So. Yeah, like the way that animation was done 
for decades was using cells and starting out with sketching. And we can talk about all this later in this episode. Um, but you're essentially doing that digitally, but it's still mm. the same kind of idea of doing multiple layers and just hand drawing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it has such a organic, natural look to it. And I hope that 2D animation doesn't like fizzle away over the next couple of years. I, it's sad. We could talk more about that later, because like Disney's not making another Pocahontas or whatever in 2D anymore. Sure. It's Tangled and Frozen. Mm-hmm. You know. So you worked at the uh, you worked at the church for three years total. Uh, is that right? Mm-hmm. About and three, two and a half. you were shooting on like the 1D X Mark II, I think you told me, is what you guys had, we right? We did and get C- it while I worked there. Did you there. have a C100 mm-hmm. as well? So you're getting some experience with like some real pro- professional cameras mm-hmm. and, you know, getting depth of field and learning about lighting and mm-hmm. lenses and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then something came up uh, on the internet, a big YouTuber called Matty Hapausia. If you're listening to this, you probably know who he is. Is that how you say his name, by the way? Um, Hapoya? It's usually pronounced Hapoya. I think okay. the Finnish pronunciation is a little different. You're probably I'm not right. Going to I'm, it. Sorry, I'm just Maddie. butchering it because I'm an American and I just like Hapauja. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure it's pronounced a different way. But anyways, Maddie, we all know Maddie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had an editing uh, contest. He was trying to find an editor and you submitted uh, a video submission and tell me just about that whole process and how close you got to getting the gig and just yeah. you know just tell me about it maddie puts up this video i'm looking to hire an editor mm-hmm. and at that point i'm thinking i mean i've only been there two years but it's still very early in my career and i'm like i'm wanting to grow and learn but at the same time am i like ready to like move to toronto and like yeah. start over again and like do something I'm like i didn't know but that wasn't really the point i was like okay here's an opportunity to create something new for mm-hmm. myself and potentially get it in front of someone whose work that I really value and who's taught me a lot. And like, this is kind of an opportunity to say thank you. Like, yeah. you've taught me a lot. Let me show you what I've learned yeah. because of the projects that you've been making. Mm-hmm. And so that's the attitude that I went in with it, that's which awesome. helped because it's so easy for any sort of contest or application to be super crippling of like, oh no, like yeah. I have to do it right. What are they yeah. going to think of it? Um, so I just had to free myself from that. I'm like, as much as we can, let's make this fun. Like, let's just do something fun and kind of Mm -hmm. practice putting a reel together and practice communicating what I do and what I Mm -hmm. think about it. Um, So I spent a couple days after work down in the studio. I filmed myself. I filmed B-roll segments. I put together clips of old footage, um, did some fun effects and a little bit of motion graphics just to try to show my strengths Mm -hmm. and submitted it. And I was like, great, put it on Twitter. I think one person liked it and it was just kind of like, eh, whatever. Like (laughs) that was fun. Uh-huh. I got it out there uh-huh. and then I waited because I wanted to see who those top people were. I was yeah. curious to see how the process was going to play out because he was doing everything publicly. Mm-hmm. And then I get an email mm-hmm. from Maddie and I'm like, hold up, is he just sending all of these? You know, just <laughs> to like thank people. Like that's a lot of work. He probably got hundreds of applicants and no, yeah. it was, hey, you made top five. Nice. That was, <laughs> wait a second. Heck yeah. Um, which was fun. And not expected but i had put a lot of work into it and i was intentional and this was really positive affirmation of Mm -hmm. hey like we've i've seen what you've done i like it i want to see more if you want to see this by the way you can actually go search it and find it right Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, that one is hosted on vimeo cool Um, i kept it off of youtube just to try to yeah protect it a little bit um so you made it to the top five which 
you put in the notes here later actually became top six. Yeah, it changed to six. I don't he, remember why. He's probably just because he was like, uh, this extra person is really great or whatever, yeah. you know. Um, but he was real impressed with your work and you got the email. I'm sure that felt amazing just to get that affirmation. What happened next after yeah. you made the top five? So then couple days later he posts on his channel publicly like here are the people little snippets of their application videos um and so of course i had to go look up everyone else and like who's my competition sort of thing yeah. and i was blown away like they were so impressive uh, which was exciting but also kind of like oh like okay like what's man. what's my shot in yeah. this like where am i at sort of thing but yeah so I found out on a Tuesday, it was like a Tuesday morning that I got the email from him. And then Thursday evening, like late in the evening, uh -huh. I get the footage from him. So I'll back up. What he wanted all to the top six of us to do, he sent raw footage from a vlog, which mm -hmm. he designed as kind of like, here's basic tips that a beginning filmmaker should know. So he sent all of these raw pieces, um, here's assets that I use to make things, here's some music from, I think it was Epidemic Sound, here's this raw footage and then here are these gaps that i want you to fill in and that mm -hmm. was it it's kind of like here's all of your pieces yeah add this this and this and then put it together in a way that matches what i do but also brings in some of your personality and style as well so we receive all of that thursday evening and i have till monday morning to submit the final project uh -huh. So it was basically a weekend, to <laughs> weekend vlogging boot camp. Yeah, he phrased it that way. He's like, this is a common turnaround. Uh -huh. um, just want to see kind of a few of the chops for a short time frame amidst everything else. Yeah. And so I'm working Friday, of course. So yeah. it's really like Friday evening to Monday morning. Yeah. So I weekend. have like two and a half days to pull this together. Yeah. Um, which was crazy. And so I'm looking at everything. It's probably Thursday night. I'm like, okay what am I going to do with this to make it different? Because we all have the same footage, like something has to set it apart. Mm -hmm. And so I knew what are my strengths? My pre-production is good because that carries over from animation. So that's always been a stronger suit. Mm -hmm. My editing is stronger because that also kind of carries over from animation. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna wow him with my production skills. Those are still good, but new. So what else can I do that's going to be different? So for those who have seen the application video that ended up going up, um, I put in this stylized intro that mm -hmm. kind of matched what he did, but was still a little bit different. Um, I introduced myself with this green screen shot that I like cobbled together, <laughs> um, which was so awkward to film, but actually kind of turned out enough that yeah. like I thought it was funny. And I pulled I little random audio bits from other clips and tried to, tried to make something new, essentially, mm -hmm. out of what he'd been given which both of those pieces show up at the very beginning of the vlog, which instantly set it apart. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, there's other pieces of this that aren't gonna be as strong, that won't communicate as well. But if I can set myself apart from the get-go, mm -hmm. that will last and kind of carry through some of these other pieces. So what happened? He, you got the video, you were top five. Was it a vote kind of thing that he did or yes and no it wasn't a vote per se he wanted to know other people that's the whole reason he was doing it publicly is like i want my subscribers my channel these people who yeah. have been part of my journey to feel involved in this but sure. obviously they can't be the ones to pick like he has to make the decision yeah, in course. the end um so the following thursday all the videos go up like back to back on his youtube channel they drop at the same time i kind of knew when they were coming but i wasn't sure so i'm actually on a video shoot, like in our studio, directing this talking headpiece, 
and checking YouTube comments on the side, trying yeah, yeah. to like keep up with and like respond. Was this to your people. first time really doing anything on YouTube? YouTube kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, other stuff had. I, I mean, think you posted some, things. I'm sure. Yeah, like, we all probably host some videos, animations. Yeah, and other things floating around. But like, like nothing, YouTuber life. Yeah, nothing serious in the sense of kind yeah, of. Yeah, so that's really exciting community. to to see all the uh especially with an audience as big as his mm-hmm. you know responding to it liking it um what was that like seeing all that fun a little overwhelming but in a good way and i'm always wary of internet comments to yeah. just kind of keep them at a distance because it's of course shouldn't ever determine anything that you do or make but yeah. uh, people were very positive and encouraging and obviously because of the situation everything went up at once it was a ton of comparison like i liked this i liked this if this one's better Um, So when I had time, I was able to sit and watch everyone else's and kind of see what we all did with the same footage, which was super Mm -hmm. fun and not an opportunity you normally get Mm -hmm. to like watch people's different styles come through with the Mm -hmm. same raw footage. Yeah. Um, So that was a lot of fun. But yeah, I don't know. Do you know about the Enneagram at all or personality test? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I I definitely know about it. I am a type three. and nice. I'm eight. Oh, okay. Sweet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which basically means that I like feedback. Uh-huh. hearing and knowing what's oh, cool. going on um, yeah, so that was externally. really fulfilling for so, you. <laughs> yes that can 100% be a detriment but in that specific moment sure. it was super fulfilling so I'm like oh I created something and mm-hmm. I'm getting a ton of feedback and it's yeah. helpful it's not just mm-hmm. like random it's like oh this is yeah. beneficial to my creative mm-hmm. process well you're doing a great job on the interview right now by the uh, way oh good <laughs> thank you <laughs> I needed that um, um, so, yeah. so yeah so you heard from Maddie the week after he had positive uh, encouraging words mm-hmm. what yeah. happened Tell yes, me about what I happened. didn't. I did not end up working for Maddie. I actually remember getting the email from him. I was at Target and I'm like shopping, nice. and I check my phone. And I see it, and I have to like pause in the Target aisle and like, yeah, because he doesn't say, and so I don't know. I have to like take deep breaths and be like, this is the moment that defines my life, and it wasn't at all. Um, but opened it and super positive, super mm-hmm. gracious. He's like, I liked your work. A lot of other people like your work. Um, for these reasons, I'm choosing a different direction. Um, would love to see more from you and potentially work with you someday, which was like, oh, wow, cool. Um, but that was kind of it. I responded. I said, thank you. Um, and that wrapped it up. And a little bit later, he ended up hiring one of the candidates, Matt, who was already in Canada. I think he was already in Toronto, yeah. which 100% makes sense, especially with the legality logistics yeah, of it. Yeah, he's a I'm citizen like, of yeah, he's Canada. Yeah, ar- he's already so. there. Like, why would, yeah, it doesn't, yeah. So and I think everyone did a great job and that Maddie had great options. Mm-hmm. to choose from which is what you want in a situation like that so yeah. being able to say oh i have someone i can just bring in next week and kind of hit the ground running was great um yeah, so i was able to sense. walk away from that being like i learned a lot i challenged myself i mm-hmm. got good feedback like this was great this was fun Absolutely. it was stressful like i'm not signing up to do that again <laughs> next week yeah i uh, good. i can relate to that story uh because i was uh offered a job to do uh, a really just a really big gig um, and it was the same kind of thing where it was like five other directors and I had to make a big pitch and even though I didn't get the gig it was given to someone else who made more sense logically it was like more experience they lived in the place where the thing was being made but like in the same way I just took so much away from that th- situation and I think more than anything and maybe you can relate to this that situation gave me confidence and like i kind of realized oh i can be a filmmaker i can actually do this if somebody else is telling me that i'm being considered for this big opportunity 
even though I didn't get the opportunity, the fact that I was even considered is an honor and mm-hmm. like gives me a ton of confidence. Did that give you confidence to pursue Yeah, definitely. This? And it's, yeah, it shouldn't always be about that. And it's hard with creative stuff because it's so easy to like bring ourselves and our own worth into what we make of like, oh, I need other people to like what I do. Yeah. And therefore I'm likable and like I have value and mm-hmm. it can't be that at all. Yeah. Um, but it is helpful to have an external source. Like I've created this. Totally. I like it. Do you like it? Great. Like then it's, <laughs> it's serving the people that you're creating it for, which yeah. is good. But at the same time, it still has value because you have made something and you've put it together. So that that was over, but something else happened. You got another email from a company called Polar Pro. <laughs> yes. Again, per the norm, I'm like prepping for a shoot. It was going to be like a full day of filming. I'm at work. It's Monday morning. And I get this email from someone I don't know. I'm like, well, what's mm-hmm. this? And it's Polar Pro. I've heard of them. They make mm-hmm. filters. And I, I'd heard about them probably because of other people's reviews of their work, the YouTubers checking them out. I'm like, oh, they make good filters. Cool. Like, what's this yeah. about? Um, and it was a guy who works here said, hey, we have been connecting with Maddie because we are looking to hire someone to do video work on our end wanted to see what that process was like for him and ended up running into your projects. Mm-hmm. We like what you did. Uh, would you be interested in doing something like mm-hmm. that for You live us? in America. <laughs> yeah, it helps. Um, You're not Canadian. Yeah, they were kind of reaching out, seeing, wanting yeah. to bring someone in to do video work here. And through that project that I thought was a closed door, it was done, saw mm-hmm. my work and said, hey, we're interested in potentially having you do that for us. So completely out of the blue for me. And so I spend the whole day on the shoot going, what do I do? Like, what is this? Um, yeah. Next day, have a phone interview. Couple days later, have another phone conversation. Couple days later, submit another video application, which mm-hmm. was a whole process in and of itself. I had longer than a weekend though. That was great. <laughs> um, I did that one in like a week. Uh and more phone interviews and suddenly it's March and they're flying me out to visit the team Mm -hmm. and yeah I remember that tell me yeah (laughs) yeah I think you were I remember meeting you yeah came come shuffling in here and like what's this California stuff yeah Mm -hmm. because I was uh pretty much fresh uh off the plane from uh, Nashville yeah Yeah. I, I mean by that time it's only been yeah three or four months so for me so you know living in California when you're from somewhere not california it's tough mm-hmm. well it's not tough it's just different different it's more expensive you got to learn about the driving situations and yeah so know. the whole process it was okay here's another opportunity but this mm. one i didn't look for and i wasn't expecting let's see what the next step would be like and so i just kept taking the next step and like mm-hmm. if at any point this falls through again great try to have that attitude of this was a learning experience yeah it was feedback it was affirmation cool but then we got to the point where I had a job offer. I'm like, this mm-hmm. isn't just affirmation anymore. Like, I need to make a decision. Yeah. Um, and got to the point where I was excited about what was happening here. And I'm like, if, yeah, like I don't, I don't see anything going wrong. But if it were, this isn't an end of the world situation. Mm-hmm. And I want to try and see what would happen. And I want to keep learning and growing. And yeah. I was reaching the point where I was starting to kind of grow differently at my old role. And I was looking for something that could potentially stretch me into a new place. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways, this opportunity wasn't what I expected, but it came up at a time that I was ready for something new. Wow. Um, and by April, I was packing my life up and <laughs> literally drove across the country. Yeah. I mean, you obviously made a lot of great close friends, I'm sure, mm-hmm. in Ohio. And that that's always the hardest part, right? Mm-hmm. So 
how's the transition been? I mean, it's been a couple months now. Yeah, so it's, what is it? It's August, right? It's yeah. August. <laughs> uh, so I've been here for a couple months now, and it's been good. Yeah, just a lot of new. Um, yeah. Which happens whenever you step into a new role or so, move. It doesn't feel like home for me and, either yet, and I've almost yeah. been here for a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've heard people say, like, it can take up to two years to feel kind of locked in, you know, when yeah. you basically uproot everything. Yeah, You've already uprooted to go to Ohio to begin with, so you're sort of used to it. Yeah. I've never left I think Nashville. This was like my 15th move or something wow. in my life. So I have moved around a yeah. lot, and I joke that it gets easier, and pieces of it do, but it also doesn't. Anytime you mm. make a big life transition, even if it's just a new house or a new job or a, yeah. a new creative pursuit, is going to take a lot of energy and time, mm-hmm. usually more than we want it to. And yeah. I did all of that at the same time. Yeah. Um, so there is a little bit of a roller coaster piece to it. And I'm still getting settled and kind of figuring out what the new normal is going to yeah. look like. Well, you're definitely a great fit here on The Office. And we're happy to have you. And it's cool to hear your whole story. I've heard bits and pieces of it just getting to know you. And it's cool to hear all the details. So yeah. Very amazing story, but now we're going to get into the second segment of the show, talking about animation, how we can apply it. You're an expert in animation. You Mm, have a degree, at least. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I don't have a degree, but um, just so that you guys are aware, I did have an animation background as well. I didn't go to college for it, but I was going to go to college. I was actually considering going to SCAD. Uh, but then the 5D Mark II came out and I started mm-hmm. filming weddings and I dropped out of school and did magic and uh, wedding stuff. So that's uh, my tra- weddings. trajectory. They get you every time. But uh, I don't know if I ever mentioned this in the podcast, but I did do an animation when I was uh, 16, submitted to Nickelodeon and won an award and they flew me to Burbank and I got to see the Nicktoon studio and my animation was on Nicktoon's network. So that was huge for me when I was 14 okay, wait, years old. Okay, back up. So you're 14 yeah. and you're making something that ended up on Nickelodeon. Nicktoons Network, not Nickelodeon, Nicktoons. but yeah. That's part of Nickelodeon. Right? Yeah, yeah. But it's it not counts. like the big channel. It's sure. like the offshoot channel. You know what I mean? So how did that happen? I was reading the Nickelodeon magazine because I subscribed to it when I was Ooh. 14 at least. That's how the cool kids did. I still get it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's just an ad in the magazine that was like, submit uh, your idea for a cartoon. And it didn't say anything about submit an animation. It just was like make basically like a treatment or like an idea give us some of your sketches and i was like shoot i'll just make a cartoon because i already had some experience with a program called toon boom uh which was kind of an offshoot of flash uh but it was more geared for uh like animation not at the time flash back then like in 2006 was all about web uh and the animation side was sort of like a hack that people like hacked into but anyways, um, I did it in Toon Boom. I had a, like a Wacom tablet back then, uh, and I just drew it out. And it was this little animation about these two characters from a planet that go to planet Earth to save uh, their planet because the bad guy went to planet Earth. And he has this golden lamb, which is the king's prized possession. And anyways, but they land in my high school, like that's where the bad guy is, is mm-hmm. in the high school that I was in. And so I took pictures of the high school. And that was the background, and I had the characters like bouncing around on fr- in front of like pictures of the school. Okay. And so, is it stop motion, or were you drawing on top? It was of it? it was drawing. It okay. was hand drawn, but I I would use it's vector based with Flash, mm-hmm. so I would just like 
the characters were a little like circle sure. like bob from veggie tales kind mm-hmm. of characters because i didn't want to draw legs and arms so no, they just work. bounced yeah so there was like a lot of squashing and stretching going on but uh but yeah so i submitted that and um that was a huge deal for me because um obviously 14 years old winning the award going out to california and they gave me a tour of the studio i got to see where they make spongebob and door the explorer and all mm-hmm. that stuff and it was just so cool to see it in person and i realized like oh i, I could do this and uh and so i thought that's what i was going to do like as i finished finished high school i was like i'm gonna be an animator and i was gonna go to scad and so i took like basic courses at like a community college to then eventually just do the art part and not spend 30,000 a year like learning math and science (laughs) so uh but then obviously again you know I dropped out so I never ended up doing it and I found that I actually did enjoy shooting more than animation in the same way that you said is like this is a lot easier I just push record (laughs) different (laughs) it's different it's It's not easier because it it takes a lot of people to make a film. It takes, uh, you got to understand lighting and lensing and camera movement and all that kind of yeah, stuff. I think they know? do, they do very different things and they're rewarding in very different ways. Yeah. Like I, when I was working on animation projects, if I'm like hunkering down on one sequence and mm-hmm. I'm trying to get one type of movement right, like that deep work zone yeah. that you just are like working for hours and don't even know, that's not something I yet even get when I'm working on video production. Yeah. It is a different, different technicality and different level of connection to artistry mm-hmm. when you're physically creating things yeah um that i still really value and enjoy absolutely and i'm trying to like merge with video and yeah. somehow be able to use both of them well it's really all about motion graphics and vfx where we can blend that with uh video and then also what sam colder did recently which is beautiful if you haven't yeah, seen his film, that film was what's gorgeous. that film called do you remember what it was called off um, top hey he, tim yeah he it. might have changed the name since then but um that's when i saw it mm-hmm. like right when it came out and i like everyone loves what sam colder does because he's sure. made a big name for himself in kind of that travel creative space his transitions yeah. are beautiful but i the thumbnail of it was a hand-drawn animation like hold up what's this like <laughs> well, is he getting into stuff now um and i have his name howard Wimshurst was uh-huh. the guy that he connected with to do these animated pieces of this film where he's talking about his brother and kind of this legacy that yeah. um, it's a he's really emotional out. Oh, film. it's beautiful. But I think part of the reason why it was very emotional was incorporating those animated sequences because yes. for a brief moment we're taken out of these visuals, we're brought into this new world. It's a little more abstract, it creates might. a different level of emotional connection. Exactly. Where the movement and the visuals are communicating these ideas just as strongly, if not, I think, stronger sometimes exactly. than just big epic mm-hmm. scenes and nature because you're really connecting with yeah. what's happening in the character and the emotion of the situation. I think a, a good kind of metaphor or, or, or another example or way to look at it is the way music is used in film like if if you do have a musical there's a lot of lines sometimes that aren't sing-songy unless you're watching Les Mis but uh, when the music happens because for some reason just humans respond to it differently and more emotionally you're able to convey an emotion in a deeper way so the animation can serve in the same way that music can serve film mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to talk about how you guys can implement animation in the stuff that you're doing right now. And it's, you don't have to be an artist either in terms of like, you don't have to know how to draw perfectly. You can 
do this on your own with an iPad, with a phone, with, uh, with your laptop. Um, but if you do have an artistic ability, there's tons of great apps now. It's an amazing time to be an animator because with YouTube, you have a place to distribute and there's no barriers there. There's no producers or studios telling you yes or no. You can literally put your stuff out there right now on the internet. We all know this. Uh, this is what the show is all about is mm -hmm. internet uh, art. But then um, the technical limitations of the past are now kind of gone. You don't have to have stacks of paper. You don't have to have a multi-plane camera and a bunch of artists hand-painting cells. You can literally do this on an iPad, and it's an amazing time to be mm -hmm. an animator. So um, you wrote a 12-page research paper about uh, something. It's uh, the difference between medium versus genre. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, so that co that comes up um, when I talk about animation, especially in the filmmaking space. The view of it, especially compared to maybe a live action feature versus an animated feature, is that oh, animation, animation, animated films are a genre of mm -hmm. filmmaking. It's like, what's the stereotype in your head? Oh, this is probably made for kids. Yeah, it's probably one of the big Western studios that we think of, at least here in the U.S. Disney, of Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, everyone who's putting out big high production level films that are appealing to a mass audience probably made for kids even though adults yeah. can enjoy them too they've got great music and great songs i know this is this unless, is fun unless seth rogan is behind it it's probably for kids we're not going to talk about that <laughs> um yeah so i wrote this in college but it's still online somewhere where the concept of keeping animation as a genre of filmmaking say this is a type of filmmaking this is what these films are and this is what they can do mm -hmm. is really limiting versus when you look at it as a medium mm -hmm. it's a type of art it's a type of storytelling just as much as any live action production yeah. would be and that you can tell any genre of story with this medium mm -hmm. opens it up to way more potential, Absolutely. way more possibility. And one of the th main things that we try to talk about on the Golden Hour podcast is how to stand out, how to be unique, how to be different. And man, how how unique is it to consider thinking about adding anima animation to your work? I mean, that is so unique. It's, it's unique because it's probably something that a lot of people don't realize they can do. Uh, again, a lot of people have this idea that I have to be able to draw to do this and you, you really don't um a good friend of ours levi allen uses motion graphics and hand-drawn animation in a really creative way have you seen his animations in his films mm -hmm. uh it's it's just text motion graphics he's not doing like character animation or anything but he's really doing uh it's i'll just tell you what he does he he'll he'll write a piece of text that goes with the film and the way he does it is really kind of ingenious he just uh, does a screen capture recording of his screen on his iPad Pro. He has a black background and he uses a white brush mm -hmm. uh, with his Apple Pencil and he just writes it by hand and he records that as a screen recording on the iPad. Then he just imports that into Final Cut and then uh, if you're not aware, uh, when you have a back, uh, when you have a black background, you can just change the blending mode to uh, screen mm -hmm. and it just removes anything that's black and puts the white text as like a transparent layer mm -hmm. over your image and it's just a really easy quick way to do animation he didn't have to keyframe anything he didn't have to use a special program he literally just drew something on a black background and recorded that and then added it yeah so imagine mm -hmm. doing that with maybe even some character animation or you could even do uh for example you know i'm just thinking of it now like say you have 
uh, transparent character uh, PNG or something, you could, with your Apple Pencil on a black background, like literally bounce it around or something on a black background and then do that same process, bring it in. Now you haven't keyframed anything. You did it by hand Mm -hmm. on your iPad and you're able to have some animation. That could be kind of cool. Yeah. Let's go back to text for a second because I think for people in the live action space, whether they're creating for YouTube or elsewhere, Mm -hmm. incorporating text, incorporating motion graphics is probably the first place where they would start to bring in any semblance of animation because text is super important um, with communicating information on screen. And we've seen analog versions of this, like even kind of the early Casey Neistat style where he would write things out by hand, but show the process of writing it kind of brought that and lots of people have copied it and followed through. But then you can take that a step further with like what Dan Mace is doing where Mm -hmm. he's doing stop motion, he's cutting out physical Mm -hmm. pieces and moving them around to create these beautiful animated intros and they have so much style, so much personality, but he's doing it analog. He's doing it traditionally with cameras. You're not bringing in extra pieces. Mm -hmm. And the opposite of that might be like Mango Street and Daniel's work where he comes from a motion graphics background. So he's pulling after effects and creating Mm -hmm. these beautiful custom text pieces and adding sound to, Mm -hmm. again, create titles to communicate information. And there's all sorts of different ways to do it, but they're all elevating the content of that live production because you're giving more visual interest, you're creating information, you're creating engagement in a way where you might not have that with just live production. And that goes back to what we just said previously about it being a medium of filmmaking or in this case, you know, for Dan or for these people you're mentioning, it's serving the story, it's serving the film. It's not like you don't watch it and then it's like jarring like, oh man, that took me out of it. It actually brought you into the film deeper and and it, it... stimulates your mind and you kind of just get excited when you see it you know um live action versus animation there's different strengths and weaknesses uh we've got you know for example um an amazing youtube channel quarter digital i love their stuff they do a lot of uh, visual effects uh and they implement that they anim- they animate things and then plug that into you know live action mm-hmm. uh so you wrote down the Boston Dynamics um, motion capture project yeah, that they did. Yeah, one of their, it's not super recent, one of their more recent projects. A so ago, yeah. channels or um, production houses like Corridor Digital are taking that very specific type of animation where it's mm-hmm. 3D work, it's compositing. We're trying to bring this real life scenario and then bring in these animated or these visual elements and composite them together and create something that isn't real but we're trying to make it look like it is or create this kind of the suspension of disbelief which is always what you you run into when you're adding vfx we want people to believe what they're seeing on screen is happening is going on and when that doesn't happen it removes you it confuses you it takes you out of the situation Mm -hmm. you're just distracted by maybe poorly done effects oh that doesn't look real um but there is an issue that can come up and it's uh, you might have heard this before Unca- uncanny valley mm-hmm. um and there is this kind of weird it's probably just because we're just not advanced enough yet as uh the technology is continuing to advance we're getting closer and closer but still like for example uh princess leia in rogue one mm-hmm. like it was a, a digital recreation is just kind of cringy and just feels weird when you look at it because it's just like that's not carrie fisher yeah so the uncanny valley is something that happens in animated stuff specifically with humans and mm-hmm. with human faces because we're really good at knowing what faces look like mm-hmm. so if you're wanting to create let's say a fake 
digital VFX shot of mm-hmm. someone but make it look real. If you go like a Disney style, like I'm going to create this head, but it will be in a Disney style and put it in this Disney world. That's mm-hmm. very believable. Like yeah. that all makes sense. It tells our brain this belongs here. Yeah. Like Tangled, for example, she's got these big bubbly eyes, mm-hmm. and, you know, overdone features to cartoonize, you know, the look. Yeah. Right? And it's appealing and it's engaging in our brains. That makes sense. Yeah. But as we push into more and more realistic, which has been a trend in animation where let's mm-hmm. see our technology is getting better. We're able to do so much more let's see how close we can get this to look like realistic live Mm -hmm. action work and we are getting to that and i think in a lot of live action productions there is vfx shots that are used that we don't even know we don't even recognize it because they're getting so good yeah but one of the hardest things to do is to make a face that looks real because we look at faces every day Mm -hmm. we're experts at knowing what real faces look like and Mm -hmm. so the uncanny valley is the closer you're getting it to look realistic Mm-hmm. Right before it's a real person, mm. there's this drop off. And that's the <laughs> valley where we know it's supposed to be a person. We can tell that we think it's a person, but our brains know it's not. And yeah. it freaks us out. So we're like, this is close, mm. but it's not quite right. Yeah. And it just throws us and completely eliminates that suspension of disbelief. One thing that I find fascinating is uh, as we're getting closer and closer to having a more lifelike look, uh, they are doing things like uh, making faces look uh, imperfect and not mm-hmm. having perfections. Uh, it's funny, but just naturally we're used to looking at people and the left side of your face and the right side of your face do not like match up. Like you could have an ear that's slightly higher or like uh, imperfections on your face that that's just totally normal and we're used to seeing that. But when you create it digitally, you're like, okay, the half each half is the same it's just a mirror and so yeah that's fine it's like no it it just looks weird when you look at it and uh there's software now that will actually just automate kind of imperfections on either side of the face to make it look more lifelike which i I think that's kind of fascinating um one thing that's happening right now in animation and in film is this amazing uh virtual reality filmmaking thing and Obviously, if you've been following the news in the filmmaking world, the Lion King film, I think, has really pushed it even further than Ooh, before. I, ha- I have opinions on that. <laughs> but, um, though it, you know, I haven't seen the film. Uh, I've heard that the film itself isn't very good. Uh, I'm sure it's fine. Uh, but the technical things that they've done is pretty incredible. Basically, designing a warehouse, if you're not aware of this, I'll just give you a brief BTS of how they did Lion King. The animation was done. They basically animated each character for the most part. Um, the animators built all the rigs, everything for the, these lions was done, and the animation was done. And they had apparently like miles and miles and miles of virtual set that was designed by these animators and these, uh, like a game engine kind of built every set in the whole film as one big map, like a video game. And so the filmmakers would go shoot on Pride Rock, for example, and they could, in virtual reality, wearing like virtual reality goggles or whatever, they could literally like figure out where they wanted the set to be. And then the DP could decide where the sun is gonna be setting so that he has the right lighting. If he wanted a 8K light, he would just use a little button and then like literally a little C-stand would pop out and drop on the ground and a virtual 8K light would show up so that he could light his scene. And then the cameras that they were using were not actual cameras. They were just virtual reality 
cameras but it was like a physical object that the filmmakers were able to hold and when they would point it in virtual reality that's what they was being captured so they would put it on dollies they would put it on jibs they would put it on a drone and literally recreate every camera move as if it were a normal film but all the filmmakers were using vr goggles and Mm -hmm. uh it's an amazing thing to think about Uh, there was an article on petapixel showing um we just looked at it before we started filming here uh showing another version of this where you could just have a giant LED wall instead of a green screen that has a projected uh, backdrop or something. Uh, and then you can have an actor in the front. So it looks like on real camera, not a virtual reality camera anymore, on actual camera, you can actually see a physical world. And when you move the camera, the background sort of moves in parallax to that because it knows the orientation of the camera because there's sensors. It's just so cool, so exciting. It's really fun to think about the creative freedom that we could potentially have in the future as this virtual reality filmmaking comes to be. What do you, let's talk about that. Here's what do you my think? two cents. Okay. From, an, <laughs> from an animation perspective on all of this, I'm so excited to see where filmmaking is going because the opportunities are growing or almost becoming endless, which is cool yeah. and makes me nervous. But specifically for animation... Specifically, so Lion King is very important to me. It's the film that got me into animation. The so original The original. One. Not, no, <laughs> not the one that just came out like a month ago. Um, yeah. The original Lion King is important to me. It got me into digital art. It kind of t- told me that that's uh, a possibility and into animation. So, so I, important to me too. I mean, any child film. of the 90s, like that movie was so gold. I love that movie so much. Yeah, very well done. So when Disney started making these remakes and we get to the Lion King, and they kind of did this with the Jungle Book. They kind of, we're going to create this live action adaptation, but it's not. It's an animated film. Yeah, They're sure. advertising it as these are all <laughs> of our live action remakes. But when yeah. you get to that point, it's a, it's a 3D, it's an animated film. Mm-hmm. And the thing with animation is that it's designed, the way the medium works is that you don't have to be realistic. And mm-hmm. that, again, that suspension of disbelief will carry with you, yeah. which is why fantasy and sci-fi films do so well when they're animated because the world makes sense. You're not trying yeah. to convince people, hey, this person is physically in this green screen space. Mm-hmm. If the person belongs to that space, then it feels very real. Yeah. So in The Lion King, they were able to craft this beautiful film that looks so real, like it looks mm-hmm. beautiful, but what it loses is the heart and mm-hmm. the story and the character. And one of the reasons why the original is so successful is because we have, we're telling the story, we're telling Hamlet with Absolutely. lions, but we're giving them personality. <laughs> I never and ex- thought of that, by the way. Yeah, there's, that, that's a story for another day. But we're creating these characters and these emotions and it's resonating on their faces mm-hmm. and we can connect to these animal characters, which yeah. is something Disney does so well, because you can see and you mm-hmm. can empathize and you can relate to this very universal story. Yeah. And one of the reasons the live action was hurt because of trying to be so realistic and so beautiful is that it pulls away from some of that expression, that exaggeration, that appeal, which is a sure. principle of animation, into how can we make this look so good mm-hmm almost to the point where it became a detriment to the film. And so that's the kind of the fear of, as we're pushing into technology in big Mm -hmm. ways, like in feature film, and even in little ways, like how Blackmagic can release a 6K camera that's accessible. And like, we're pushing into more and more Mm -hmm. opportunity, Mm -hmm. so more and more people have access to it. Totally. Like if we just keep leaning into, oh, but we can do more with this technology, 
are we losing sight of what made it good in the first place? It's Absolutely. not just because it's technically beautiful. And sometimes that works. That's why Avatar made so much money is because yeah. it pushed the technological boundaries. But the stories that last the test of time are the ones that have that appeal and have that heart and you can't lose sight of that totally. in the face of technology. Which is why films like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, when that came out, completely blew everything away because it's like let's uh -huh. do what animation does really well let's exaggerate let's push the style let's make it not realistic at all but it was beautiful totally. and became a success because of that i That's i totally soapbox. i completely agree and uh but i do think that because the lion king film exists the 90s one that is cartoon i can see and i've heard john favreau talk about this he's like I, i'm not trying to just recreate that because that on its own will always stand the test of time and exist mm -hmm. and so they they were it was obviously a creative choice to create a skeleton of these animals and not break the rules of what natural world is so that's why i've heard a lot of articles i haven't seen it and you're you're speaking on it you know they weren't able to express in an animated way uh I, one thing that comes to mind is uh Aslan and um, the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mm -hmm. That was animated with a little bit more expression than natural. And so I guess that could be an example of like what they could have done. Um, Babe is another great example of... This is like... That's an old film. But they mm -hmm. were doing kind of this. They were doing it on a real pig. But, um, you know, they were expressing uh, through more exaggerative uh, animation styles. Um, but I do think... It's just awesome that they're pushing the limits. They're pushing it. I think this type of technology is interesting when you blend real actors on maybe a, a green screen or on a on a stage, and and you could create worlds through VR filmmaking that is never has never been done before. Uh, I think just the whole concept of it. Imagine like just getting rid of green screens completely too. Like the idea of like if LED technology can get advanced enough to where you could have a giant warehouse that's that used to all be green screen, but it's literally floor to wall just LED screens, and the VFX artists are designing worlds in VR that link to the camera movement, and now the actors can play maybe better because they're seeing a visual representation of what they're actually standing in. So I just think the overall industry is really fun to think about, but I hear you on uh, the way that film came across when you watch it as a film. Yeah, both are important. Um, sure. So is it possible to blend the mediums well? Um, you know, we talked about Corridor doing it. We talked about Dan Mace. We talked about Sam Colder. There's another YouTuber called... Ami Yamato, I think is what mm -hmm. it's called. And she's basically a fully animated 3D vlogger. Mm -hmm. And so she's a 3D character walking around in real life as like a normal YouTuber would. Who doesn't know she's 3D. And she she doesn't? No. I, yeah, I don't watch She's a, she's all a the real videos, person. Yeah, it's cool. It's fun. It's, it's something a funny different. Idea. Yeah. Does anybody know who she actually is? I don't know. There's probably, if you dig around, you can probably find information yeah. about how she makes it and how it's done. But yeah, they're very engaging because she is interacting with the real world. Yeah. But it's a 3D generated character that creates 
this kind of extra layer to a vlog. So yeah. it's this person that's talking to you, but there's an artistry to it and there's mm -hmm. a different level of engagement to it. Because I, mean, I know the animation side of YouTube is yeah. its own thing entirely. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, that's how you can blend it, but then there are full channels that are just all animated mm -hmm. and they're very successful, uh, mostly kid channels, you know, for children. But there's some that are more adult themed and whatever. Uh, what do you think about that? Like, if you yeah. want to only do animation, there's a platform for that, too. Yeah, it's cool. It's not something I've been able to pursue enough where I know all of it, but I've heard pieces and I've heard that mm -hmm. uh, the, the YouTube algorithm, that is, it's hard for animators because the process of creating is very different than a live production. Yeah. It's so time consuming. Your projects often aren't as long. Mm -hmm. They aren't coming out as often. And so it's when you're doing it, you're maybe putting in just as much, if not way more work yeah. than other people in different mediums. But will it be honored and seen and respected in the same way? And that's why yeah. we have to view them differently. Like Absolutely. this is a completely different thing. And we're going to value it for what it is, not comparing it against something so that what, it isn't. So what are some of the, let's just list it out. So we got motion graphics and text. We got digital hand-drawn 2D, we got 3D, green screen, stop motion, cinemagraphs, parallax effects. I don't you listed a bunch of random stuff here. What are some other ways that you, what are some other technical things that people could add to their videos? Yeah, so live action production can learn and grow a lot from animation, not only adding it to it, doing compositing, maybe bringing in extra elements into a scene to kind of give it more life or help tell your story. Mm -hmm. But even just learning from the things that animation does really well. Um, and I talked, some of the things that I was thinking through, if you've seen a lot of short films, there are phenomenal live action short films and there are phenomenal animated short films. And because I'm from an animation background, I've seen more of those. And oftentimes there isn't conversation. A lot of them are wordless. Like it's just music, it's sound effects, but a story can be told. A common example would be the first four minutes of the Pixar film Up, which mm -hmm. is heralded as like, this is the best love story in four minutes and no one even says anything because, mm -hmm. yes, the power of animation, but how a story can be told with color and with symbolism and with lighting and with transitions and all of those things apply to live action as well. Yeah. Um, so learning to not, just because you have an, an actor or a person can speak, doesn't necessarily mean that's the best way to communicate information. Yeah. So you can learn from that. You can learn again from color, from how you even compose a shot. In animation, it's very intentional because you're crafting everything from scratch. So mm -hmm. a way a scene is designed, the way the leading line draws your eyes, has to be intentional because if the whole world is being created, you have to tell people this is what's important, this is what we want you to look at. Yeah. Versus in live action, we're probably quicker to say, oh, there's a person, oh, there's a thing. Um, so learning from composition is helpful across all types of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one thing that I, because I started with animation before I got into learning about cinematography. And when I go back and look at some of my early animations when I was a teenager, everything was just center framed and there was no concept of true composition uh, as much as the way that I look at visuals now because I come from, you know, a cinematography background now. So study cinematographers who don't even do animation, just look at movies like, how do, how are frames shot? How are uh, how is a wide shot look compared to a tight shot and depth of field? Those are things you can add in animation. You can add a blur effect to kind of simulate a depth of field mm -hmm. look, right? Um, yeah, and it goes both ways. I've noticed I don't do as much art nowadays. I still try to make it happen when I can, and 
my lighting has improved mm. significantly because of doing live action production because I've had to think and be very intentional. Yeah. I can't just draw a light anywhere in my scene if I'm filming in a studio. I have to physically place lights and think yeah. about sculpting a person using light. And so when I go back into art, I'm like, oh, I can bring that with me. So honestly, all of these just help each other out. And uh, color theory, that's another thing that I learned when I did go to school, you know, for the two years that I was there, I did have an art class and one of the main ones, uh, one of the main topics that I learned that I still carry over to this day with my color grading and with uh, set design and stuff is the color theory and understanding the color wheel and like where colors land on the color wheel and figuring out which are complementary colors and which ones work well together. Uh, understanding that is huge, not just for animation, but like even as a, you're color grading your footage. Yeah, that's why teal and orange is a thing. Exactly. Because they're complementary colors, they balance well, and orange is the closest to skin tones. So mm -hmm. putting blue in the shadows is the most natural balance. Yeah. And exactly. now everything is teal and orange. Right? Exactly. So let's let's do a little uh, mini tutorial kind of thing um, and just give people some ideas of where they can start as far as uh, programs and uh, maybe even just go over how to slightly on uh, motion graphics and how to implement animation in your in your footage. So what are some apps that we could use to start doing some animation? There's yeah. obviously different types of animation. There's different types of apps for all those different types of animation. For sure. So it depends on what you're wanting to do and ultimately what you have access to. For those mm -hmm. who maybe edit and use the Adobe Suite, you can lean into Photoshop or After Effects or a character animator or even a little bit of Premiere and mm -hmm. start to bring in maybe it's motion graphics, maybe it's illustrated animation. Photoshop has a frame-by-frame -frame animation feature as well as a more timeline after effects is obviously designed for motion graphics and animation and has so many features you will be lost in them forever yeah <laughs> premiere can do some of that but it's not built for it and i've tried to do a little bit of motion graphics in premiere it's very awkward yeah. um because so they they adobe knows that they own after effects and it's amazing so it's yeah like, i mean just all go over there <laughs> and the reason why suites and programs that are designed to work together so well is great because everything dynamically links mm -hmm. and i can jump between them very easily um, so for those who already have Adobe mm -hmm. and maybe want to get into some motion graphics, maybe want to bring that into their text, mm -hmm. open up After Effects. It doesn't bite. Yeah. Look at it. <laughs> find some very basic tutorials online. Tutorials. And, that's and where to go, man. Go to, there's so much out there now. There's so much. It's and it might even endless. just mean downloading a free motion graphics pack and just breaking it apart. Mm -hmm. Ah, there's keyframes in here. What do they do? What is, mm -hmm. what is this graph editor? What are these extra layers and mm -hmm. things that are nested and composited and just start? That's a lot of how I learned. I taught myself motion graphics, mainly from breaking down projects and watching tutorials and attempting to build things mm -hmm. on my own. And now when I'm doing video production work, maybe it's a talking headpiece, I can put in custom title and subtitle mm -hmm. effects that match the brand because I know enough of how to build those mm -hmm. and implement them. And that just gives you an extra level up. Animated intros and titles and those pieces yeah. show that, oh, there's an extra level of production here and that it can be intentional. It can help further the brand or the conversation mm -hmm. that you're wanting to have. And if you're somebody who has a computer but does not want to pay $50 a month for uh Adobe or just you don't like Adobe there's a great alternative that is free and open source and if you haven't heard of it it's amazing and it's a very valuable tool to learn uh, it's called blender and it's been around forever uh, blender is an open source program but they've 
animated full features. There's actually an entire Netflix series that was animated completely in Blender, uh, which is amazing. And uh, I think uh, there's a big company, might be might be DreamWorks, uh, donated like over a million dollars to the continuing development of Blender. They literally last week updated the app to support uh, 2D animation, hand-drawn, um, oh, with onion skinning and keyframing, but then also taking 3D objects and converting that to 2D as well. And it's really, really impressive what you're able to do in Blender. They've also simplified it. It was like really complicated to learn. Um, and they've simplified it even more to be much closer to an app like Cinema 4D, which is really popular. Mm-hmm. Um, so Blender has gotten better. Uh, they've you know, added a lot of features. You can go find stuff on Blender Guru. He's kind of the biggest like guy who talks about Blender. It's a big mm-hmm. YouTube channel. And again, it's totally 100% free. There's not even like a pro version or anything. The whole point of it is to be an open source uh, platform for people. So, yeah, which is um, awesome. I think Blender really is cool. more known for 3D work mm-hmm. as of now, but with these new 2D features. The last features, couple of years, they've been adding 2D. And, which is cool. Uh, they literally, literally, you know, again, this update came, this firmware update came last week week or two weeks ago mm-hmm. and uh they've added an entire 2d aspect to it now very cool That's yeah awesome. very cool so it's <laughs> free um but if you're not on a laptop or a computer there's obviously now ipads and even phones if you want to go that way uh and android tablets too they exist they're things but let's just be honest the ipad pro and you don't even have to have the 2018 version you can have the first iPad Pro, or even I think the iPad Airs now have pencil support. Um, even the super cheap iPad, actually, the 329 one has Apple Pencil support. Um, and even if you don't have the one that has Apple Pencil support, you can buy like a third-party little pin that's not the mm-hmm. same as an Apple Pencil, but it's still good. Um, and you can do animation on an iPad uh, for very affordable price. The best app that I found, I did some research, is uh, Animation Desk. I've actually used uh, the free version and played around with it a bit. It's pretty amazing. It's got everything you would need. It's got storyboard support, multiple layers, uh, onion skinning. You can import videos so you can either sketch on top of video or you know, blend the videos that you're making with animation and have traditional real hand-drawn animation on an iPad. It's 20 bucks. Come on, man. That's amazing. Yeah. And even like you mentioned storyboards, a lot of the pre-production process for any medium of film is going to go through a lot of the same steps. Mm -hmm. Maybe it looks a little bit different, but if you're working on a larger project, it's so helpful to storyboard and sit down and plan it out before you shoot to know how the sequence is, or maybe you need to pitch it to someone. You need to be able to show them what you're going to do. So a lot of those pieces of the process, some of these programs can help make that easier for you, mm-hmm. even if it's just stick drawings. Like yeah. whatever <laughs> you can do to help communicate mm-hmm. your story and your vision better to your team or someone you're working with, um, storyboarding is a great way to do that. So a lot of people don't know this, but um, TV shows. I just I'm just gonna say Dora the Explorer because it's the one that I know for sure. Great. Uh, <laughs> Dora the Explorer is uh, made in Flash. And I guess now maybe, or it's After Effects. Uh, when I was when I visited back in 2007, they were doing it in After Effects with the puppet tool, mm-hmm. uh, the entire show. And so you don't have to know how to draw to do character animation too. A lot of people don't realize this. Uh, there's lots of websites where you can actually download a fully rigged character that someone else has drawn and created. And basically what that means is like, there's a skeleton, there's a, there's a, you know, mouths that are 
there for syncing. And what you can do is bring that into After Effects and animate and keyframe uh, the movement. So like if I want to move an arm from left to right at one point, you know, at zero on the, on the, you know, timeline, the hand is in one location and then I scoot forward five seconds and I just drag the arm over to where I want it to be. And then the computer just animates those keyframes in between. And it's basically a virtual puppet. And so there's actually a lot of animation studios that have artists that design the characters and then there's riggers who will rig the characters. But then there's animators who literally don't draw a thing and they're just animating the points of these puppets. So they're like puppeteers in a way. So whether you're doing character animation or text or motion graphics or visual effects compositing, it all depends on what your project is mm -hmm. and what you're going to need that's going to serve you the best. I think there's a lot of different ways to implement it, but it doesn't mean you need all of them. It doesn't no, mean yeah. you need a, an animated We're person. We're trying to cover all of them. Chilling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and different ones will serve different projects or different situations, or maybe you can pull from this piece of this style, pull from this piece of this style. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe you can learn motion graphics and create super cool transitions between your clips and some of those pieces. Yeah. So a lot of it does carry over and you can merge and blend a lot of them. Mm -hmm. um, so it's honestly just knowing what's going to help you bring your project to the next level. The totally. Most. And I think for most people listening to this, that's going to be advanced motion graphics. I think character animation is such a distinct style. Hopefully there's some people listening. They're like, this is me. Finally, they're talking about character animation. But the truth is, I think a lot of the people listening to this are filmmakers, YouTubers, Instagrammers, people who have a creative vision, uh, loved the outdoors, love creating stuff. I mean, I'm not going to put all you guys in a, uh, in a box here, but I do think for most visual artists who are doing video stuff, motion graphics and learning about how to implement that with transitions and get really creative with that, that's really where uh, you're probably going to get the, yeah. the most bang for and buck. Not to discount other forms of no. visual media. You can learn yeah. a lot from them. I think we often end up in our video production filmmaking bubble and yep. we, it becomes an echo chamber of like we're all learning from each other, but oftentimes stepping outside of that Absolutely. and pulling from maybe other forms of media and letting that be an inspiration and drive can then make your project so much richer because it has more depth, because yeah. it's incorporating more pieces and just learning from what else is being done. So we've we've kind of covered a couple of programs that you can use. Uh, we've talked about different ideas and different creators that are implementing this. What do you have to say for somebody that's like, I want to do animation in my films and in my videos and... Uh, what, what do you have to say to them? Yeah, great, good. <laughs> Honestly, I'm excited. I hope we see more of it. And that's why videos like Sam Kohler's and I've seen mm -hmm. a couple others popping up, whether it's motion graphics or incorporating 2D or 3D animation is starting to just make the video production side of online content so much richer yeah. because we're able to do more and experience things differently. Whereas when you see maybe a lot of the same things over and over, we're looking for something new and fresh. And I think animation has a lot to offer video production. And Absolutely. There's a lot of, I guess, untapped potential there that um, people who are filmmaking or doing video work can really lean into to, again, not to distract, not to like cover up what's not working yeah. well, but just to kind of elevate what they're already doing and either communicate more effectively or mm -hmm. make it more visually interesting. So if, I if hope you look, we'll see more. If you look at the kind of history of film and how uh, like VFX started happening, you know, Jurassic Park and Terminator and stuff. And then Matrix obviously changed uh, filmmaking too, in a way. Um, there was like this whole slew of films. I remember like in the early 2000s, where it's like 
just explosions and special effects all over the place and just got too much. It was just like the filmmakers realized I can do anything. Okay. I will do anything. And then you have films like, uh, you know, JJ Abrams, JJ Abrams comes to mind, uh, Chris Nolan, who are more traditional filmmakers and Chris Nolan in particular, like he demands to shoot on film and do things practically as much as possible. But just cause they're doing practical effects doesn't mean that there's not visual effects. In fact, they're doing a ton of crazy visual effects in the computer and animation. Uh, but they're blending that with real practical things to make it even better. Um, and we're seeing maybe a little bit more restraint in some ways in the filmmakers, but then also we have Lion King and whatever the future is there, which you're, we're pushing it as far as possible. Um, it's just an amazing time. And I know for me, when I learned After Effects, you know, six, seven years ago, when I started really diving into it and implementing uh, visual effects in my work, my creativity just skyrocketed in terms of just my initial ideas. Because once you realize that you can add something through animation, and once you kind of have a grasp on what is possible just with After Effects, for example, you can start to really think of things differently and uh, come up with a commercial or a project that if you're working with a client, for example, you can say, hey, let's let's do this, this, and this, where you know the guy's gonna walk through here and then a thing's gonna fall down and he'll grab it and it'll be a funny moment. And they're like, well, how will we do that? It's like, oh, I'll just do it in, in After Effects. So it'll be a simple animation, green screen I thing. press the animation button. Yeah, I'll push the animation button. And then after that, I'll push the viral <laughs> button for you. Um, but there's just a couple of things that once you learn the, the basics and the mechanics of it, you know, you can continue to learn the technology, but once you just open your mind up to what's possible, I think um, the creativity can just go crazy. Yeah. There's this one YouTuber that you showed me that's on the list here. I think you mentioned him, uh, the Spider-Man uh, YouTuber guy. He doesn't yeah. have like a ton of followers. He's got like 120,000 subs. Yeah. Something. That's Andreas a lot. Andreas Hem is a good example of if you're more on the What's volume. his name? Andreas Hem. Okay. Is a great example. How do you spell that? Um, oh, A-N-D-R-E-A-S-H-E-M. Um, and he adds v uh, VFX in like youtuber vlogs mm -hmm. for example there's like a moment where the camera is really far away he looks at the camera and shoots like a spider-man web at mm -hmm. the camera and just pulls the camera towards himself like totally not necessary he didn't have to do it but it was just a fun little quirk a creative thing and it just hooks you into the mm -hmm. film you know yeah and there's a lot of really big ways to incorporate animation or motion graphics into video pieces but there's also a lot of small ways i've even seen a little more influx on instagram where people are adding maybe overlaid like little small animated elements mm -hmm. on top of a photo to give it more visual interest or maybe they're doing like hand-drawn text that has some movement to it or bringing in even the parallax effect where it's kind of a two two and a half d image yeah. or a cinemagraph where everything's still but one piece is moving mm -hmm. all of those have elements of animation in them and they're always just a how do we take something and do it slightly different and make it interesting in a new way that yeah people want to see more new things yeah. because the world is so saturated right now especially in the photo video world there's so much of us out there doing a lot of similar things which is great i love that it's so accessible and i'd love to see people start to step into new areas mm -hmm. and again incorporating animation is a good way to do that amazing well thanks for being on the golden hour podcast yeah, jenna human it's fun to be on this side I of know, the right? mic a little bit I <laughs> and we're both wearing out. green if you can't see the video we're mm, it's, we te it's teal coordinated it oh it's, yeah is it teal uh, mine's green mm, mine's like a forest green no it's teal 
to you? Yeah, that's okay. definitely to you. Sorry, maybe I'm colorblind and I didn't even realize or it. I'm colorblind. I hope you guys enjoyed this special episode of the Golden Hour Podcast. Let me know what you thought on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is at Dave Mays underscore. And make sure to hit up Jenna Huben as well and let her know what you thought of this episode. If you're listening to the podcast, I would encourage you to go check out the video, which you can find on our website, polarprofilters.com slash golden hour. And you can actually see the video in its multicam goodness. I'd like to thank you guys again for listening to the Golden Hour podcast. Next week, we have Gerald Undone, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on that. Once again, I'm your host, Dave Mays, here in the Polar Pro Studio, and we'll see you next week.